Stand by. Hello and welcome to the Lackadaisical Libricubicularist. And now your host, Jordan Maywood. Hello! Welcome to the Librocube. My name is Jordan Maywood, and I am the Lackadaisical Librocubicularist. Today is Monday. I like to say that sort of on a descending scale. Today is Monday. Sort of thusly. To indicate um, my feeling of the day Monday. Yeah? Yeah. As you are no doubt aware, within the Liberal Cube, Monday is Moody Monday, in which we discuss... Movies. Long pause there for you to figure it out for yourself. If you did not, I said it anyways. Something I like to do at the top of every show is to say that there will be spoilers. So, uh, be aware for that. They're not, it's not a 100% guarantee of spoilers, but probably will be. So, you have been warned. Officially. Something that I decided I want to do at the top of every show, but have only done once and have forgotten quite a few times, is to say that if you like what you hear, and I hope you do, the the sort of payment I ask is a million dollars. No, that is ridiculous. The payment I ask is that perhaps you pass on the podcast to a friend. We are available uh, on the site Podbean, which is who hosts the site, uh, we are also on Stitcher, on iTunes, basically anywhere you can find a podcast. I kind of went out there and submitted it. So, you should be able to find it wherever. Uh, and there you go. That would be very, very kind of you. Today's sponsor is the Big Lebow Ski Resort. Once again, today's sponsor is the Big Lebow Ski Resort. Okay, movie the first was called Detropia, which um, is a combination of the word Detroit and and uh, dystopia. Yes, Detroit and dystopia. Because if you are unaware with what is happening um, with Detroit, I think the best way to really just sum it up uh, and then go into more detail is that Detroit is the fastest shrinking city in the U.S., okay? Uh, they threw out uh, many, many, many facts during this movie, which I didn't... No, I didn't write any of them down, really. But um, ones that I remember were sort of that... Um, something like every 20 minutes of family leaves, there's hundreds and hundreds of thousands of empty homes and businesses... It's sort of turning into a bit of a ghost town. Um, not yet, but that's sort of the vibe that the movie's bringing across, and also where it where it kind of feels like it's going. It all has to do with, well, I don't know if it all has to do with, but mostly has to do with the auto trade, which uh, I guess sort of that is what Detroit grew up around, is the auto trade and uh, General Motors and what have yous. They had uh, plants there which are uh, slowly downsizing and downsizing and disappearing because a lot of the manufacturing is going overseas. 
it's all, uh, it's pretty sad, actually. There, uh, I know in, uh, there's a bit of that here in Canada as well. I don't, for the most part, pay attention to news. My, uh, mission for shits and giggles that I am on in life sort of precludes watching news or knowing current events, <laughs> which is sad, I guess, but hey, we all live our lives the way we want to, and I try to escape from reality as much as possible, so <laughs> watching news uh, does not help with that. But uh, the reason I bring that up is because I think uh, we have a bit of that in Canada as well. I remember the General Motors as well, I think, in Oshawa here in Ontario. Uh, did it close down? I can't remember. Or just laid off a bunch of people. So this is obviously a documentary. Followed uh, various people around current current day Detroit. Or So they followed around one of the union reps for the car manufacturers. They followed around um, a guy who owned a restaurant and bar just down the streets from um, one of the factories. Uh, who else... Not sure if it was the girl who actually filmed the movie, or just sort of a local filmmaker. I followed her around a bit, and it was kind of uh, it was kind of eerie to see some of these shots of Detroit, in which it's it's almost like it gives kind of that post-apocalyptic feel. So that's uh, that's creepy when uh, when a city such as this, which apparently is huge, like uh, geographically speaking. Um, they, uh, they had a map in which it was like L.A. and Boston could fit inside the area taken up by Detroit. So that was, uh, that was pretty crazy. Uh, you probably, a lot of people, myself included, when you think of Detroit, you, uh, you think of murder. <laughs> uh, probably shouldn't laugh when I say murder. <laughs> it is, I believe, still the murder capital of the states. Definitely, I think, the unsolved murder capital of the states. It's just because they... So, uh, I guess that's probably another reason of this sort of mass exodus. Uh, strange, too, that uh, just recently listening to an Adam Carolla podcast in which he went to Detroit to, uh, to tape it uh, in front of like a, lo- a giant live audience, and he, he talked about that sort of ghost town feel where you're walking around city of Detroit, and there's just nobody there, and, I mean, people came to the show, <laughs> so, there you go, let's, let's leave Detropia behind, one, uh, sort of final note that, uh, sort of piqued my interest, that I think maybe should, should get out there, is that, um, one of the people, uh, they very briefly followed around in the end of the, at, towards the end of the movie, was, uh, this artist couple, and uh, how they were, because prices in Detroit, as you can imagine, with all of this happening, have gone down so dramatically, uh, people like them can afford giant lofts and buildings in this case, because everything's just going for so cheap. So this couple could pursue their their art and be able to afford a, a somewhat decent uh, living and living space because prices were so low. So they they thought and I guess hoped that perhaps with that in mind, Detroit could become a sort of haven for artists. Uh, so I like that that thought. Very interesting. Let's leave that behind 
I should mention today, I only have four movies, so I'm going to try to get them done on the way to work. Wish me luck. The next movie is Flight. Fairly recent film starring Mr. Denzel Washington, who plays a pilot who crashes his plane. Ooh, baby. Both the missus and I agreed that that whole sequence was horrible. <laughs> she said that that kind of thing makes her more nervous and scared than, say, like, the grudge or paranormal activity. Uh, it doesn't make me scared, but it does, uh, I will say, definitely get the hands of sweating a little bit, man. Uh, that was a cra crazy, crazy crash sequence. That is not a spoiler, just for the reason that I think if you've heard of this movie Flight, you have heard that there is a plane crash involved, so I won't go into any details, though. The movie starts with a uh, nice little scene. Um, I think, yep, either the first or the one of the very first TV Tuesday episodes of this podcast, we talked about My Name is Earl. Actually, you know what? I remember it was in the... the the Magical Mystical Lost episode. Ooh. And we talked about uh, My Name is Earl, and one of the stars of My Name is Earl was in the first scene of this movie. Um, what the hell was her name? Oh, God. We're having another name. A name brain attack. She played the maid <laughs> in My Name is Earl, and you know what? In this movie, she started off in a hotel room. Uh, naked, I should say. And my God, when I was watching My Name is Earl, I thought, oh, jeez, I wish I could see this girl naked. And now that sort of life goal has been completed because she is smoke and hot. Ugh. So let's just give a little brief synopsis of the movie, which is that Denzel Washington is a sort of hard-living, smoking, drinking, drugging dude who is also a captain. <laughs> a uh, commercial flight captain uh, who gets into a plane crash. I am going to, since we don't have a great amount of time, and if at all possible, I don't spoil things, just sort of leave it at that and say it was awesome. Uh, also making an appearance is Mr. John Goodman, who I said to the missus should be in every single movie because he played Denzel Washington's drug dealer and pal. Uh, and he was, for, he was hilarious in this. Also, uh, Mr. Don Cheadles, Don Cheadle, who, uh, also very good. So, uh, the movie we will give a four to five. Oh, uh, Detropia will go three out of five. Next, better hurry up, is Whip It. Whip It with Ellen Page. Whip It is a movie that has been available and is available on Canadian Netflix. Uh, has been available for quite a long time, and I always see it and say, oh yeah, I should watch that, because I've heard about it and thought it looked good, and I finally um, bit the bullet and decided to watch it, and I'm glad I did. It was very, very good. It's about Ellen Page, who plays a 17-year-old sort of directionless teen, which is not unusual. She uh, gets involved with uh, Roller Derby. Ooh, baby. I'm not sure if roller derby is always women. I kind of think it is, just for the fact that every single time I've ever heard of roller derby, or seen it in roller derby, or anything roller derby, it's always been with just women. I wonder why that is. Hmm. 
because it, it gets pretty violent, man. Uh, if you un- are unfamiliar with Roller der- Derby, um, this is a good movie for you because you will learn uh, what it's about and how you score and things like that. Also, in the movie, there was... Uh, oh, you know what I will say? Drew Barrymore is in the movie and, and also directed the movie. She uh, didn't take a huge part in the movie as far as acting, which I think is uh, smart when I believe this was her first time directing, and it's got to be hard to be pulling double duty like that. Also, there was Juliette Lewis. Juliette Lewis? Yeah. Who uh, played a sort of the mean girl from one of the opposing teams. And uh, it's a combination of comedy, drama, little drama, dramedies. Uh, it was very good. I like Ellen Page. She is a fine, fine actress, I will say. Follows her and just sort of coasting through life and then finding something finally that she is good at, which uh, I like. I like that. It was, I believe, I found a section within Netflix called uh, Heartwarming or... No, no, Feel Good. Yeah, Feel Good. I guess movies that have been tagged feel good, and I love a good feel-good movie, so I watched it. Uh, the movie will go four to five. Last, but certainly not least, was another one of those movies that I have seen and heard of many, many times and always thought I should watch. It is called Three O'Clock High, sort of classic 80s high school movie. Very, very into that genre heavily. Uh, it stars a kid, I didn't write down his name, or the actor who played him, as I think this may have been the only movie he did, who is just not having a very good day whatsoever. He sleeps in, uh, none of his clothes are clean, uh, his car's got flat tire, which I don't know why he didn't just change the tire, uh, and that's before he even gets to school, where uh, he is assigned by his, I guess, journalist class to do a report on this new student. This new student who has a very, very bad reputation for um, hurting people. And the one thing you do not want to do is touch him or he will basically murder you. So what happens? He touches him, of course. And then um, the guy who looked familiar, and I meant to Google or IMDB him, because I think I've seen him in other things. The the super bad... Well, it wasn't super bad. The bad guy, let's say. The bully uh, says, alright, well, this is what I'm gonna do. I am going to... uh, We are going to fight at 3 o'clock. And then the whole movie is sort of I was going to say preparation for that fight, but not really. More just him trying to get out of it. Uh, and the funny, funny shit he does involving uh, involving that. Hmm. Things such as like planting a knife in the guy's locker. Things such as um, making out with one of his hot teachers. <laughs> uh, so he... Uh, things such as just trying to leave in his car... Uh, but nothing seems to work. Poor guy. I will. I did want to point out that, because I thought it was funny, the security guard of the school was played by uh, the guy who played Kruger in Seinfeld, uh, George's, George Costanza's boss, Mr. Kruger. 
and also the cop who came in for unspecified reasons was played by Mr. Bookman. Mr. Bookman also from Seinfeld. He was the library police. So uh, I thought that was kind of weird and interesting. Also making an appearance is Jeffrey Tambor, who played one of the uh, one of the teachers, and uh, a very, very, very brief, well, probably 30, 40 seconds in total, at the beginning of the movie and at the very end of the movie, is the girl who voices uh, Lisa Simpson. So, there you go. Uh, I had to speed through a little bit because my plan and what I'm going to do and what I did is to do four movies on the way to work and do zero movies on the way home. So, mission goddamn accomplished. You were here to see it, people. Congratulations. It is nice to be nice to the nice. Transition. Hello. Welcome to the Liberal Cube. My name is Jordan Maywood, and I am the lackadaisical liberal cubicleist. I want to start off by saying that yesterday's movie Monday episode, probably from what's happening so far, is going to be a little behind in its release date, uh, which will make this behind and other ones behind, and it's, it's backing up like so much poop in a colon. Uh, the reason being is that uh, not one, not three, but two of my uh, iPhone uh, cables seem to have died. At least that is kind of from my searches on the interwebs. Seems to be what is uh, happening. I am going to get another one tomorrow. Um, so, <laughs> I'm kind of kind of won't hear this until the problem solved, so just so you know, that is why things are a little behind. It sucks. It's not as bad as when I first started out and had the, the uh, dreaded Lost episode. In fact, I think I might have had two, where I thought I was recording and was not, so that was bad. At least, at least that hasn't happened. I have these recordings, I just can't get them on my computer to edit them. Uh, today is Tuesday, February the 5th, and as you are no doubt aware within the Liberal Cube, Tuesday is TV Tuesday, in which we, meaning I, discuss television, as Mr. Doug Heffernan would say. Today's sponsor is Huey and the News Helicopters and Reporters Incorporated. Once again, today's sponsor is Huey and the News Helicopters and Reporters Incorporated. Okay, let's jump right in. Uh, my plan and what I'm going to try to do is to once again, as with Movie Monday, just do an episode on my way to work and not on my way home from work. Hmm. Uh, now I'm doubly trying to do that because of this goddamn backlog, which uh, is going to screw me up a little bit. I don't like it. Uh, I've done something a little different in this episode as well, in that basically instead of bringing back a bunch of shows, uh, I have only done three shows. However, within those three shows, 
Uh, they are all what I consider TV marathons, where I've watched, of these three shows, I've watched minimum uh, 10 of 10 episodes of each show. So, <laughs> definite marathon territory there. In fact, uh, well, let's just jump right in. The first one is The Office. Uh, I talked about how the missus and I will always have a sort of funny show on the go for... Well, normally we just did it for Saturday nights. We'd watch uh, some funny, funny shows. However, lately it's been like uh, almost every spare moment we've been watching The Office. Like if there's nothing on TV, we'll watch it. Uh, we're waiting for something come on, to come on in an hour, we'll watch it. It's just like, she must really, really like this show. Let's uh, hop right in. We are into season six already. We started at five, <laughs> to be fair, because we had seen most of, most if not all episodes up to them. And I will say, so far in season six, I have seen like one or two, and she's the same. So moving on from this point, uh, we're in sort of virgin territory, which is nice, because everyone loves a little, little virgin territory. <laughs> uh. Okay, so uh, the season sort of starts off with the fact that Michael Scott has left Dunder Mifflin Paper. He was uh, getting kicked around and just sort of not treated the best over the years. So, of course, as you do, when you work at a paper company and you decide to leave, you start your own paper company. No, no, that is not what you do. That is not what most people would do. But Michael Scott is not like most people. Oh, shit. You know what I should say? Uh, that I always mean to say at the top of every episode, but sometimes forget, is that there will be spoilers. So, that was that one? Mm, not, not, too, not too much, really. So, with Michael Scott, uh, Pam, Pam Beasley, the former secretary from uh, the Dunder Mifflin Paper Company, went with him, and so did uh, Ryan the Intern. So it was just the three of them, sort of against the world. Well, against the world, as far as selling paper goes, anyways. Uh, they put a somewhat significant dent in the sales of Dunder Mifflin by severely undercutting their uh, prices. Which, although in the end, obviously, they were not making money, so um, not exactly the greatest from a business uh, standpoint, what happened was, and this is a spoiler, because uh, they were stealing all these customers, even though they were not making money, it was still affecting Dunder Mifflin. So what Dunder Mifflin did, as you do, I guess, when people are in your way, uh, they bought them out. Bought them out with their old jobs back. They could have just not left in the first place. There's, there's your option. Once they were all back at work, Michael still had the... I'm, I'm kind of, rather than... Uh, doing all these episodes individually, sort of jumbling jumbling them together, because uh, we don't have a great amount of time, and I think it'll go quicker that way. Uh, once Dun uh, Michael Scott Paper Company had been sold, he still had the lease on the teeny little office uh, that was in the same building, actually, as Dunder Mifflin, so he turned it into a disco cafe, or cafe disco. One of those somehow is right, and one of them is wrong can't remember which, though. There was, uh, as tends to happen in, uh, in a disco, a dance-off. 
I've never been to a disco, but uh, I kind of assume that if you go to one, there will be a dance-off. Am I correct? You can email me to the email address provided in the closing credits with all your disco uh, dance-off related stories. And I will be happy to read them. Happy. There was a, another scene, it was just sort of a kind of a throwaway scene at the beginning of an episode, but it, uh, it got me pretty good. I guess this episode came out around the time where parkour was sort of exploding on the interwebs. Um, if you are unfamiliar with parkour, uh, you've been under a rock, and probably um, someone has jumped onto the rock and jumped off in a, in a very interesting way. <laughs> it was uh, Dwight and Michael and Andy basically just running around yelling parkour, not actually doing anything so crazy until the end where uh, Andy jumped off a trailer onto what he thought was going to be a fridge, but was just a fridge box. <laughs> so that was funny. Funny? It was a shit. It was a giggle. So I brought it back here as I do. That's what we're here for, people. Shits and giggles. Okay, the next... The next item is me stopping to uh, drop off a lottery ticket and receive some money. On 20 bones. Not too shabby. Uh, so I'll just edit, edit, edit that out and be back in a moment for hopefully, <laughs> uh, I gotta do it goddamn quick, hopefully two more shows uh, and a shit ton of episodes within those two shows. How about a tease? doesn't really make uh, sense to do a tease when I'm only going to be gone from your point of view uh, for about three seconds, but hey, I don't always make sense, as you may have noticed. The tease is... The show that I watched next was Father Ted. Editing. 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 On the road again. On the road again. Father Ted, my friends, is uh, your sort of very definition of a British comedy. Definition. Takes actually place in Ireland. <laughs> so, is it your definition of Irish comedy? Perhaps. Perhaps. Uh, I actually always thought it took place in England, maybe Scotland, and didn't realize until after watching uh, every single episode that they ever made uh, that it took place actually in an island, an Irish isle by the name of Craggy Isle. Father Ted, as you can guess, is a father, a priest, if you will. And uh, Father Dugan and Father Jack uh, inhabit a house on this island. And I'm uh, kind of curious how, uh, how that works, that uh, a tiny little, almost, well, not uninhabited, but a very, very tiny isle in the Irish Isles, I guess, if you could call them, would have three priests living on it. Like, does that kind of thing happen? I think I remember when I was a kid and lived on a street, <laughs> as you do, live on streets, <laughs> not on the mean streets, just on a house that was located on a street. Anyways, kind of got a little off track there. There was on said street a house that I believe was paid for by the church and the priest lived inside it. So I guess that kind of thing does happen. Huh. Interesting. Let's just give a brief rundown. Uh, this 
as you can imagine, if you are a priest, is not exactly where you want to be. It's sort of out of the way on a, on a crappy, craggy little little aisle. So they're all there for various reasons. Uh, Father Ted is there because he, from the sounds of it, and it is never proven, uh, is a bit of an embezzler, kind of a bit of a cheat. Despite saying that, uh, he seems like a pretty nice guy, <laughs> for the most part. Then there's Father Dugan, who uh, is an idiot, period, full stop. One of, now, uh, the, 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 the sort of idiot, moron character on TV uh, has existed for a long time, but I think definitely Father Dugan is easily within the top five of idiots, perhaps number one. So, uh, as you can imagine, that makes it quite amusing. Lastly, Father Jack is a drunk, lecherous old man who basically uh, does not talk except for the words drink, uh, arse, girls, um, guess that's mostly it. Very rarely does he, he talk, talk. Probably uh, in the course of the three series, uh, there's, I can only remember one time where he actually did talk a little bit. It's where, and this only happened once, I should say, where he uh, sobered up. <laughs> it was sort of a horrible experience for him, oh, which I can relate to. Uh, and that's your show. It is. It was on for three what we call over here seasons, but what they call over there serieses. And they're they're very short. They're like, uh, what, like 10 episodes a season, give or take. So uh, over the course of a couple of days, I watched the entire series while playing video games. Very much enjoyed it. The first uh, season I had seen most of, which is kind of how I knew about this. And there's just something about British comedies. I don't know. It's hard to pinpoint what they do right for me that uh, always seems to make me laugh consistently. I don't know. Curious. So, uh, I think it might be, at least this is what I have heard about British comedy as opposed to, say, American comedy, is that it's very dry. So maybe that's it, I guess. I'm not a comedy scientist. Alright, I have a bunch of episodes written down and shit that happened. Uh, I'm gonna probably not say anything about it. There's... Burr, burr, burr. Uh, episode in which Jack dies, but he doesn't really. That's the drunk one. He drank drain fluid, like plumbing cleaner, and they thought he was dead, but he wasn't really dead. That's just the, the kind of thing you're going to see on this show. There was uh, one with rabbits. <laughs> what does that mean? There was an episode with rabbits. It means that there was one rabbit, and then there was two rabbits, and then there was goddamn rabbits everywhere. That was funny. Uh, ba -ba -ba. There was one in which uh, Father Ted is sort of uh, consistently, mistakenly mistaken for a racist and a Nazi. <laughs> that one was really good. That might have been my favorite one, actually. Okay, we're getting near work, so I better hurry this last one up. Uh, it is one we briefly touched on, I do believe, called Adventure Time. Adventure Time with... Finn and Jake. Oh, God, I get them mixed up sometime. Finn the human and Jake the dog. It is a cartoon. However, for me, it's sort of in that vein of, like, I think I would put SpongeBob in this vein, that a cartoon that I guess is technically for kids, shut up, don't make fun of me, 
However, uh, it has lots of uh, nods, little winks for the adults as well. Not only that, but looks cool. <laughs> that's, that's one of the things I look for in a uh, cartoon, because I think if you sort of limit your viewings to just the live-action stuffs, uh, you're really, you're not going to see just cool, sometimes beautiful, sometimes horrifying-looking things, because things that can exist in a cartoon simply cannot exist in the real world. So don't limit yourself. Watch a cartoon every once in a while. Just because you're, in my case, um, 31, almost 32 years old in a couple of weeks, doesn't mean you can't enjoy a goddamn cartoon, people. Open your mind. Okay, again, I got, <laughs> like, friggin' ten notes of ten different episodes I watched, but we're getting close to home. Home. Getting close to work, so let's see what I can do. First episode... This is all... Yeah, yeah, this is all from season three, actually. I, um... Uh, or was it four? I'm pretty sure three. Maybe four. I can't remember. Three or four. It's all from some of the later seasons of Adventure Time. I think the first episode was a continuation of one from the previous season in which Finn, um, who is in love with uh, the bubblegum princess, however, she is kind of uh, probably, if I had to guess, ten years his senior, so it is an unrequited love, a crush, if you will. So uh, his buddy Jake feels feels bad for him and decides to head out and find him someone closer to his own age. He uh, ends up in the Fire Kingdom, which, uh, as you can imagine, is pretty hot. Long comedic pause there. Um, finds the Fire Princess, who is, uh, as you can imagine as well, very hot. No long pause that time. <laughs> so there was uh, lots of uh, your hot jokes, if I do recall. And, uh, comedy ensued. Alright, so close to home, I'll just, uh, do this really quick. Uh, there was one called Hug Wolf, in which, uh, it was like a werewolf, but if you were hugged by it, then you turned into a hug wolf, and the, and the way you transferred this was not by biting, but by hugging. <laughs> oh, jeez. There was, uh, my favorite ones were, in this season, were ones where they went to the was it called? The Nidosphere, which is kind of like a, uh, I guess you would say, nightmare dreamscape kind of uh, realm in which uh, just for me, that is uh, for me, this sort of series of events while they're in the Nidosphere is the reason why you should watch cartoons like this. One of them, because it was just so, so freaking crazy. Some of the shit and monsters and landscapes that they, they drew into this world. Uh, that it will blow your mind, and if I was a kid, I would be friggin' terrified of some of the shit they had there. Okay, so, I'm at work. Um, wish me luck on getting these episodes onto my computer to edit. However, if you are listening to that, that has already happened, so that did not make sense. Folks, it is nice to be nice to the nice. <laughs> Transition. Hello! Welcome to the LibroCube. My name is Jordan Maywin, and I am the lackadaisical LibroCubriculist. 
I am doing a podcast first today, which is recording a book Wednesday on a Tuesday drive home. Why am I doing this, you might ask? Because if you listen to yesterday's TV Tuesday episode, you will know that I have two cables that will allow me to attach my phone to my computer to move over the podcast so I can edit it. Edit it. Edit it. However, uh, they both crapped out on me uh, at the exact same time. God friggin' damn it. Not as bad as when I first started out in, I know, at least once, maybe one and a half to two times, uh, recorded a podcast or thought I did and actually did not record anything. That was worse. This, uh, at least... It's just going to put me back a little bit as far as editing and getting them out. So my thought is to sort of record the podcasts um, quicker than I normally would so that they're all on my phone. And then once I get this cable, which I should tomorrow, uh, I can quickly hop back into editing and getting them out. How about that there, friends, for a little, a little behind-the-scenes podcast business which you may or may not care about, but hey, it's a podcast, you're listening to it, so you must um, care somewhat about them, I suppose, possibly, maybe. Today's sponsor, today's book Wednesday sponsor is the Scarlet Pimpernel Crimson Pumpernickel Red Pelican Preserve. Once again, today's sponsor is the Scarlet Pimpernel Crimson Pumpernickel Red Pelican Preserve. If you have been, and I hope you have been, following along with our book Wednesdays, you will know that I am chugging my way through uh, the Dark Tower series by Mr. Stephen King. Chugging along is good uh, in this instance because a lot of... Uh, book three, called The Wastelands. Uh, Well, maybe not a lot, but uh, a nice chunk of it involves working my way towards a train. Uh, More specifically, a monorail. I'll get to that in a bit. Uh, First thing I want to do, as I always try to remember to do, and I think uh, I'm pretty good at, is to say that there will be spoilers. So, you have been warned. This is your one and only warning. I usually drag out this warning uh, a slight bit, just in case you're not paying 100% attention. Warning! There you go, that will have got your attention a little bit for the possibility of spoiler warnings. Just making goddamn sure, okay, people? Looking out for you. Ah, book three of the Dark Tower series. How I loved the... Let me uh, run down some of the ways. Why don't we? Um, I don't and have not done much as far as uh, backtracking into previous books, um, because you have readily available to you those podcasts in which I talked about them. So you can easily, easily listen to those to kind of know where where we at. Uh, I recommend doing so, because I want to just hop right in with saying that this book sort of starts with, we have now together the startings of our katet. Ka, K-A, is a a word used in this series as sort of 
destiny, honor, um, overriding goal, sort of encompassing word like that. And tet just means, I guess, group of people. So the group of people so far up to book three consists of Roland, the protagonist of this series, the infamous or perhaps famous, um, probably reverse the order I said those, <laughs> uh, gunslinger, uh, who is from a world, possibly this one, in the far distant future. I think we've kind of sort of uh, getting that impression in a world that has, as he describes it, moved on. Uh, with him now is Eddie Dean from New York City, a New York, a 1987 New York, uh, former junkie Eddie Dean, also uh, a member of this quartet, uh, Susanna Dean. Why do they share the same name? Because they sort of got married. They didn't really so much do a ceremony or anything. They just love each other and decided, hey, we're married. Susanna, former uh, split personality, um, has no legs, <laughs> just so you have that in your mind. This book sort of starts off with them uh, moving forward on their journey, and that entails Roland uh, training them in the ways of gunslingers, because when you say gunslinger, and uh, if you've ever heard the term gunslinger, you probably most often just think of a western. However, these, uh, when it comes to Roland and gunslingers in this series, it's almost more combination of cowboy and knight, uh, as in like knight of the round table. Um, perhaps a little, uh, little cleric mixed in there. Uh, it's a very interesting, uh, brotherhood sort of has developed around this slinging of guns. So, uh, Roland is teaching Eddie and Susanna to become gunslingers. Uh, one of their first uh, tasks, there's a, as you can imagine, shooting target practice. However, one of their first sort of big tasks, as I look at it, on their way to becoming a gunslinger is, uh, comes in the form of a giant, well, it comes in the form of robots. When it comes for, uh, comes in the form of a robot for Susanna, it is a really cool, um, the way it's described in the book, a sort of giant, positronic, uh, half-biological, infected with a virus, both uh, mechanical, computational, and biological bear. <laughs> Let's just end it with bear. So imagine a giant bear that is, um, and when I say giant, it's 70 foot tall. The bear is part biological, part uh, mechanical, it's mechanical, it's biological part, uh, has a sort of virus that is, it's almost as if it is infected, and there's like weird maggoty giant worm things crawling throughout it that have infected both the biological and mechanical, and have, over the thousands of years that this bear has roamed the countryside, have been slowly driving it insane. As far as coming across uh, something in a fantasy-esque novel that uh, is frightening. This is, uh, this is pretty pretty up there. So her first sort of, the way I kind of see it, her first mission, her first foray into gunslinging 
is having to kill this bear. It's actually not as hard as you kind of think it might be, because he it was almost like a video game, which uh, I wish, and sometimes I picture as reading a book like this, that they could make it into a video game. This follows the sort of standard video game boss fight in that a boss will have an area of its body that is uh, susceptible to attacks. In this case, it was a kind of sounded like a radar dish uh, coming out of its head. So they shot the radar dish, and then it went friggin' but fucking wild and died. Uh, now in Eddie's case, he did not have to battle giant robots, rather a sort of series of much smaller robots. So sort of like one that was... They were, I think they, yeah, yeah, they were all mechanical, not biological, uh, but like one that was like a, a snake, one that was like a, uh, as he describes it, it sounded like a, I don't know if this reference will make sense to everybody, uh, like a Tonka toy, a bulldozer. One that almost got him was a, was a bat. So uh, I don't know what would be harder, a bunch of these little guys coming after you or a giant 70-foot one. They also had the the weak spot of that little radar dish coming out of him. So he had to shoot more of them. I guess maybe that would be harder. And there are more of them coming from different angles and what have you. Okay, so after that, they, uh, I don't know if Discover come across, uh, Roland was looking for what uh, he calls the beams. The beams are a very integral part of the Dark Tower series. They are the beams is a good word for them because they are um, sort of, see, we're kind of still early in the book, and it was years ago that I read this, so I'm not so much remembering of what I read years ago as what is happening now, which I enjoy. Beams are holding together reality and are paths to the Dark Tower, which is... We don't really know what the Dark Tower is at this point too much, other than it is sort of at the center of all realities, of all times, and uh, I remember talking about in one of the earlier book Wednesdays, at the center of all sizes as well. So um, they start traveling on this beam. Now it's not as if it's like an actual beam that they are walking on under their feet. It is more like a sort of, how would you describe it? A phenomenon that things travel along. Uh, when I say things, I mean, for example, uh, say a cloud is blowing a cop across the sky. When it hits this uh, phenomenon of the beam, it will then travel in the direction of the beam. Magnets, magnetic, uh, mi magnetic waves also, when they hit the beam, will then travel in the direction of the beam. It subtly affects uh, the world around it, so rivers and roads will uh, often follow the beam. Um, say, a, uh, right down to a bird will will be flying along and then will come across the beam and then will start flying in its direction. It can correct itself, but uh, its sort of very existence uh, pulls things along its length. Very, very cool idea. So as they're traveling along, if you listen to my last episodes, I think I mentioned how Roland had the jawbone of um, a very, very bad man, let's call him. 
So he, for some unexplicable reason, uh, Ka, throws it into a fire. Uh, once it's in there, it sort of molds, melds, explodes, sparks into the form of a rose and a form of a key. Uh, Eddie, who has a knack for carving shit out of wood, sees this and carves a key in the same shape uh, that was seen in the fire. He then uses this key in, in a door. Now the door, I should say, he sort of draws in the dirt and then uses the key in that door he has drawn. And on the other side of the door is our world. Our world, um, not today, but our world, this one that we are living in and I am speaking in. A world in which Mr. Jake Chambers is existing. Uh, he has uh, sections within the first part of this book where it's just him and what's happening to him through a sort of series of events has figured out that, I guess you could say, the only way to keep his sanity is to make his way to this world in which Roland and Eddie and Susan are currently, because he needs to be a member of their quartet. Basically, that's it. He uh, That was another really cool section where he has to go, uh, really, if you want to boil it down, he has to travel through a sort of haunted house, and make his way to this door within the haunted house that opens up to the door that Eddie has goddamn drawn in the sand and used uh, the key that he has seen in the fire from the jawbone of the very bad man. What the fuck am I saying? Uh, just awesome, awesome, awesome stuff. How does Mr. Stephen King come up with that? I don't know, but I friggin' love it so much. Uh, once they have uh, Jake, which it's not really spoiling the fact that he makes it there, that's that's when they're good to go. One more member of their party is a, uh, a Billy Bumbler, <laughs> who sort of joins because Jake is there. Uh, a Billy Bumbler is sort of a cross between a, a dog and a raccoon and a woodchuck, uh, a wiener dog specifically. His name is Oi! Oi, oi! Because uh, that's what he says all the time. He can kind of talk and is like super, super smart. Uh, I don't, we haven't learned yet, and I don't know if we do. We never learned exactly how smart he is, but he can understand very specific, uh, complicated instructions. So, and plus he's adorable. Don't forget that. Oi, oi! That's how I picture, uh, he says what he says all the time. That's his name. Oi. Uh, okay, so. Traveling, once again, along the beam, as you do in a fantasy novel when there is a quest. There's a lot of goddamn traveling. I love a quest. Well, I've mentioned that in a lot of the books I've read where there's been quests involved. I love a good quest. Theirs is to continue along the beam towards the Dark Tower. They come across a city which... I don't know if it's New York um, of this time, of this when, of this where... Um, because time and geography and things are weird in this realm. Jake is captured. Roland has to save his life because he has taken a vow to never let him uh, die again, as he did in the first novel, which you know if you've read or listened to these podcasts. Getting close to home. <laughs> Shit. This whole section is cool in this city. Let's just say that they have to split up because... 
Jake somehow intuitively knows, and because he has this book from our world, knows that he has to, they have to find a train within this somewhat New Yorkish city to uh, make their way along the beam. Uh, he is captured. Roland goes after him. Eddie and Susanna go in search for the train, so they've split up. Roland, after Jake, goes through a whole series of uh, friggin' trials and tribulations, booby traps, fights, with the assistance of Oi, because as you can imagine, he's got some dog into him, so we can sniff him out a little bit. Gets him, meets up with Susanna and Eddie, who have had to, for the first time in their lives, being gunslingers, killed, uh, killed not robots, killed human beings. So they're a little upset, and they meet at the train. More specifically, the train named Blaine. <laughs> Blaine the train is a pain, I will tell you. Uh, he's actually more of a monorail, which, uh, if you don't know, means one rail. Huh. He is a train slash artificial intelligence that has sort of been running this uh, city, or, or more accurately, did run it in the past, but as the centuries have passed, has slowly gone insane. So he's blaming the insane train who's a pain. The book ends with the catet of Jake, Eddie, Susanna, Oi and Roland on the train. So the quartet on the train, the train who's insane, and did I mention suicidal? So the suicidal and train, insane train named Blaine, who likes riddles, <laughs> uh, which is another sort of fantasy thing that often happens, the riddle to, to proceed in your quest. This book ends with... I'm at home, but I'm going to finish this a little bit here. I'm just sitting in my garage, you know, talking to myself. Uh, the book ends with a, a challenge made by Roland to Blaine. If they can stump him with a riddle, uh, this super vast intelligence, artificial intelligence, if they can stump him with a riddle, uh, they will not all die in a fiery crash that Blaine is planning to do. So, there you go. There I go. There we go. There other things go. Folks, it is nice to be nice to the nice. Transition. Hello. Welcome to the Libro Cube. My name is Jordan Maywood, and I am the goddamn lackadaisical Libro Cubicleist. Why am I upset? Uh, I'm not really, to be honest. I'm uh, what you call acting. Yes, very proficient, I know. Uh, this is, uh, let's see, if you've listened to uh, the TV Tuesday episode and the Book Bow Wednesday episode, you'll know that I have been without a uh, cable to attach my phone, a.k.a. my recording device, to my computer. So, I'm recording hot. Codpasts, uh, sometimes called podcasts, uh, with no way to get them to my computer to edit them or upload them or anything them. So uh, that's too bad. It's putting me a little bit behind on the 
no, I don't know if it's a bright side. Um, this week I sort of had planned and seems to be happening so far to do short uh, episodes. By that I mean episodes that I record on my way to work and not on my way to and from work. Uh, so far we followed that to a T, to a coffee even. So at least once I get this new cable, which I should get today, I won't have uh, a shit ton of editing to do. I'll just have a ton of editing to do. Today, within the Libro Cube, is Ha Internet Day, in which we discuss, meaning I discuss and you listen, things from the Fra Internets. Today, not within the Libro Cube, without the Libro Cube. I will admit it is not technically Friday, but um, because my car is the color of the TARDIS, I sometimes miss, miss, I sometimes mix and match, <laughs> mix and match and screw with the wibbly wobbly space time bits, as I am doing now, because I do what I want, when I want, how I want, where I want, why I want, uh, yeah, what I want. Today's sponsor is Bananas, Bananas, Bananas. Once again, today's sponsor is Bananas, Bananas, Bananas. Let's jump right in, since uh, I'm going to attempt to do a short Fra Internet Day episode, which I believe has never been done before, since uh, I usually bring back a shit ton. Uh, in this case, I do mean a shit ton to talk about. I kind of wheedled it down a bit. Wheedled? Is that a word? Wheedled? Whittled? Probably whittled is is the word I was trying to say there. But I like the word wheedled. I like the word uh, wheedled a little bit better. So let's stick with that. Item the first is probably the perfect example of something from the Fry Internets that I bring back and love and suits the Fry Internet theme to a T. It is a web series called Tabletop. Uh, I believe we've talked about it before. However, no, I'm not stopping. However, this one has probably been my favorite one so far. What it is, is uh, Mr. Will Wheaton, who you may know if you do know, as uh, Wesley Crusher from Star Trek Next Generation. Also did a little film by the name of Stand By Me, uh, among other things, I do believe, but probably most widely known from Star Trek, who uh, hosts a game on Felicia Day's YouTube channel. Uh, her, the name of her YouTube channel is Geek and Sundry. What he does will get uh, board games, board games either from his past that he has played, because apparently he was a big board gamer back in the day, or uh, games that are more recent, that uh, have been sort of very popular, I guess you would say, and uh, sits around with a bunch of people and plays them. And they film it, and then they uh, chop it up, edit it a bit, and uh, you got yourself there, an episode of Tabletop. Lovely. The reason I liked uh, this one in particular was that they played a game called uh, Dragon Age. Dragon Age, you may know, if if you're listening to this podcast, uh, there's a strong possibility that you know of the video game called Dragon Age, and this uh, tabletop 
pen and paper role-playing game is based uh, around that world. So sort of, well, not even sort of, very strongly in that uh, Dungeons and Dragons sort of realm. Not not technically in that realm. Things are a little different. But um, I have seen, I've never actually played uh, Dungeons and Dragons, but I've seen and heard people playing it. And it sounds to me like this game is very, very similar as far as rules and structure and what have you. Will Wheaton will always be there. However, he will have sort of rotating guests to play the games with him. Uh, this week's guests were none other than the man, the myth, the legend, my my buddy, my pal, Mr. Chris Hardwick. Oh, MG, even? I don't think I've ever said OMG, but I just did right there. He, uh, every, I think, every single Fry Internet Day we've done, uh, Chris Hardwick has come up one way or another, either as himself in his podcast, or shows on his YouTube channel, uh, which is called The Nerdist Channel. He has definitely, uh, I think it's safe to say, the largest nerdy empire in existence today. So, that's impressive. You know what, I don't know if I ever have mentioned, but uh, I can throw this little brag in right now, is that um, probably a year or two ago, uh, when I kind of got really big into Twitter, I uh, sort of tweeted at famous people that I admired or would want tweets from, and uh, I tweeted at him, and he tweeted back, and uh, that was pretty awesome. Made my year. Also in this episode is... Uh, Kevin Sussman, who uh, you may know from the uh, television program Big Bang Theory. Big Bang Theory, just sort of briefly touch on that for me, you'd think probably that I would love that show. It's a bunch of, uh, as I understand it, never seen a full episode, uh, as I understand it, a bunch of nerdy guys kind of living together and doing nerdy shit. Sounds right up my alley, does it not? However, I have extreme difficulty, and in most cases, impossibility, hmm? uh, watching shows with laugh tracks. I cannot do it, because I always find the laugh track is just so incredibly, unrealistically laughy that uh, it gets in the way of the show, and I just can't do it. It's always, uh, as I describe it, like my favorite example is um, Two and a Half Men. Two and a Half Men. Uh, laughs, three, laugh track, crank to 11. Re-goddamn-diculous. And I hate it. It's just, it's grating to me. It's like nails on a chalkboard. <sighs> so, he was there. <laughs> Seemed like a nice guy. And uh, one more guy by the name of Sam Whitwer. Whitwer? Yeah, Sam Whitwer, who's from a show called Being Human, which um, I am sure at some point I will watch because it is available on uh, Canadian Netflix, and um, I've talked about how Canadian Netflix will rate things, or predict, sorry, I should say, will predict how you will rate things, and uh, they predict that I will like the show, and they're usually pretty accurate. So, I will uh, I will definitely get into that at some point. We're going to have a brief intermission here as I stop and take in a lottery ticket. A winning lottery ticket, no less. Which I believe I might have done in yesterday or in TV Tuesday. I'm on a roll, baby. I got a twenty dollar wiener. Twenty dollar wiener. 
back in a moment. Editing. 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 Road again. Road again. Road again. Okay, so we know the players, we know the game. Uh, one thing I should mention, what was uh, pretty awesome, is that the maker, the creator, the writer, the producer, whatever you want to call it, of this game, uh, was here to run the game for the guys. So, that does not happen. <laughs> pretty, pretty goddamn awesome. Let's see if I can uh, remember, I didn't write this down either, what uh, each character... Because uh, in, in a game like this, you will create... Uh, or roll, as they call it, a character. So you'll have all your stats and stuff like that. Uh, Will Wheaton was... I don't remember. <laughs> Chris Hardwick, no, no. Okay, basically all I remember is uh, Sam Witwer's character, because he made his character a racist. <laughs> uh, and that was pretty funny. Racist, not as not. It's an interesting thing in fantasy novels that... Uh, when someone is a racist, it's more uh, it's more common that they're actually a speciesist. So, like a, a black and a white human will get along just fine. However, uh, they will hate a dwarf <laughs> or an elf, for example. So he did that uh, with his character. Just just to go to show you, you can basically make your character. You don't have to always follow a set guideline of, of rules. Oh, uh, Chris Hardwick's character was like uh, the Fonz, um, that's in Arthur Fonzarelli from Happy Days. This, uh, something about a role-playing game such as this is that they quite often take a long time, and that's sort of the idea. For example, um, we brought it back, uh, Brian Postain's podcast, Nerd Poker, in which they sit around and play actual Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, Dungeons & Dragons game can, can last for... Uh, I think it can last for years in some cases, so that's pretty awesome. Like you'll just come back every week and and uh, and take off from where you left off. So I like the thought of that. I wish <laughs> I had nerdy friends who would play this and we could play it, you know, once a month. But I don't. So I fill the void by watching things like this, listening to nerd poker. There was one back in the day called. Uh, I Hit With My Axe. It was a web series in which porn stars would sit around and play Dungeons & Dragons. That was awesome. Uh, so, that I will give uh, 6 out of 5. <laughs> That's how good that was. Okay, so, uh, the reason I bring up the length of the games is because I they broke this tabletop up into two parts, I believe, and this was just the first part. So, I may bring part 2 back. I may not, just because I kind of went over mostly what I wanted to go over there. Let's move on to, uh, yeah, okay, let's move on to this one next. It is a podcast. It is a podcast we have brought back here to the Liberal Cube to discuss. Uh, it is a podcast by the name of Penn's Sunday School. Penn, in this case, Mr. Penn Gillette of the magical comedy duo Penn and Teller. Uh, Penn, if you've seen him before, you'll probably recognize him, is a giant uh, in a loud a loud-spoken giant teller is a small guy who does not talk. Period. I, uh, in all my many years, and I imagine you and many, many others, have never heard teller talk. So uh, I was pleasantly surprised to see that he was the special guest on Penn Sunday School, 
and uh, got to hear him talk for the first time. And I will say that his voice, I think, when you hear his voice and look at his face, it, uh, it kind of suits him. That's, uh, he is, um, which I was not surprised by this fact, uh, super, super smart from the sounds of it. I think both Penn and Teller are just two, like, uh, freakishly genius kind of dudes, uh, which makes sense that they've worked together for these many, 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 many years and uh, have developed this rapport together, or report, depending on uh, how you want to say that. Uh, now the podcast, the podcast in question. I was a little disappointed with it just because I'd go as high as 90% of the talk was about um, Teller's, I guess you could say, sort of foray into magic and showmanship, which I guess has the potential to be cool, a cool story, but it all sort of revolved around him doing Shakespeare shows. Uh, What did he do? Started with Hamlet. Uh, the, the Tempest, and how um, doing these shows, he sort of figured out uh, some tricks. Actually, I don't think uh, they like it when you call them tricks. I, I think uh, he developed illusions to go uh, with these theatrical productions, uh, and that sort of uh, pushed him in the way of magic, which um, they just spent a lot of time, way too much for my liking, talking about Shakespeare. And... Um, this is probably not a very popular opinion. In fact, it definitely isn't. But I uh, have never been a huge Shakespeare fan. I read, I love to read, read a book a week. But Shakespeare I was just never able to get into. I don't know. So I thought um, maybe they'd spend a little time on that, which is fine. Um, but they spent almost the whole show talking about that, which to me was not fine. Got kind of a little dry. Uh, I think they wasted a bit of an opportunity to have uh, teller there who I've never heard speak talk about a variety of subjects rather than mostly just one. For example, um, as you can guess by the name of the podcast, Penn's Sunday School, and if you know anything by, about Penn Gillette, he is a super, super duper uh, atheist, a great, I don't know, I don't think he would use the word mocker of religion. However, he does that. <laughs> I don't think there's any denying it. So I thought it would be nice if they could get sort of Ken's take, or Ken's, uh, Teller's take on that, but uh, they, they never even touched on it at all. So, sadness. All right, getting close to work. Uh, let's see if I can get the last bit in here. Okay, we got another, uh, yeah, we'll call it a web series, because that's what we call shit here when we don't know what to call it, from Felicia Day on her Geek and Sundry YouTube channel. Uh, it is her vlog, which is a combination of blog and Felicia, I do believe. Vlog. Vlog. Uh, where she, quite often, not every time, she'll go and uh, sort of try new things. So good on her for that. That's something that everyone should do. I don't uh, admittedly do enough of that. Uh, what she went out to try was uh, trapeze. Trapeze. I have a pretty good uh, fear of heights, <laughs> and uh, so does she. From from what she how, from what she said, so uh, that's impressive that she went out and tried something that, to me, I don't think I'd be able to do. I get a, I think I might have a weird fear of heights in that 
like I could go up to the top of the CN Tower and which if you don't know what that is and you're not from Canada or Toronto-ish area, it's a very, very tall building. <laughs> Google it, get a picture of it. It's cool looking. Uh, and that doesn't bug me. I can go like out on a balcony. I could be in a plane, whatever. Uh, it's, it's like the, the, the medium, the medium heights, not even high heights. So like going up a ladder, I can only go up a certain way and then I start to not like it and get shaky. So, uh, good on her. I am at work. Mission accomplished once again on the drive to work, not drive home to work episode. I should hopefully uh, get the TV Tuesday episode up when I get home tonight. I'm hoping as long as I get this cable today and uh, we'll go on from there, folks. As you do, you got to just go on with things. It is nice to be nice to the nice. Thank you for listening. This has been another edition of the Lackadaisical Libra Cubicle Wrist. We here in the Libro Cube would love to hear from you. If for any reason you would like to contact us, you can do so via the email address mailwood.jordan at gmail.com. And now I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. No, something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine The best is yet to come Come the day you're mine Live long and prosper